Hello, and welcome to the Noise Careers Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Cannon, and today I'm here with Matt Taylor from Motion City Soundtrack. Matt is starting to produce bands. Uh, he's done some pr- production work in the past with groups like A Great Big Pile of Leaves, and we get into how he feels about production and some of his thoughts. Um, he's working out of Portland, but is willing to travel, and we talk about what he's looking to do as a producer, along with many of the lessons he's learned working with great producers. Before we get started, I want to just to remind you again about a big announcement for me is my new book, Processing Creativity, is coming out on March 28th. If you've enjoyed this podcast and what we do with this, I think you will really, really enjoy this book. It discusses how the creative process breaks down and how to make music you're happy with. It's a 250-page read that has tons of stuff you've never heard discussed in this podcast and tons of other stuff that I think you would be really interested in if you've liked this podcast in the past. So with that said, I want you to check out this episode because I think Matt says some really inspiring stuff and then head on over and get to know him on social media. You can read about that on our website if you click on the post about this and check it out. One second before we get started with this interview. Noise Creators is able to do these cool podcasts because we're a service and we're trying to get the word out about our service to people. So if you enjoy this podcast, it's really, really important that you share it to people so more people can get to know what we're doing trying to connect musicians with producers to make better music and make better records for you all to listen to. So please, please, please help us out. If you like this and like what we're doing, share it, tweet it, Facebook it, Instagram it, tumble it, whatever you like to do, do that. As well, we're going to start doing a really cool thing. If there's a great quote from these podcasts that you really enjoy, put it on a graphic, tweet it, Facebook it, take a picture of it, and send it to us at Noise Creators on every single one of the social networks. And what we're going to do is we're going to share the best ones. And if you're one of the best ones, we're going to send you a list of prizes we have. We have a bunch of cool, rare things from bands that aren't as much of a use to us. We have a couple of extras of rare pressings of vinyl, all sorts of cool stuff. You can choose from a list and we'll send that out to you for free if you share a really cool quote that we like and we use. Thanks so much for helping out and please, please, please help us spread the word on our service. Thanks. So what's your chain for recording your voice today? I'm actually using uh, an SM7 through my Apollo 8. And as far as the Apollo, uh, the Unison plugin, I'm using the the Manly Voxbox. Nice. Yeah. And they're just into my uh, iMac. Very cool. Um, So tell me about your background in music. I grew up, I mean, as long as I can remember, my dad's a really great guitar player, as is his Mm. father. And basically just every day in the house, there was music happening. Dad would just strum his acoustic and sing along, and his dad, like I said, was uh, also a great player, and he was in a country band, and we would go see them. And um, so that, you know, just kind of was there from the get-go. So that was a big influence on me, just having it around me. And then at five, I asked for a drum set for Christmas, Hmm. and I ended up getting one, which was not a real drum set. It was a toy, mind you, but that was really influenced by going to see my granddad's band who had a you know a live drummer and I would just stand there and watch him and like just the energy and the noise and everything it was very exciting to me as a as a young kid you know so yeah I started on drums at five and then uh, I think I got an acoustic guitar when I was eight for Christmas which is funny because I wasn't really like super excited about guitar but my dad was like we're gonna get you this and <laughs> get those drums out of here you know I think that was kind of his <laughs> let's get something quiet happening um, smart man 
Yeah, right? <laughs> I know. Especially a toy kit. And it was one of those that had like a little tin symbol with the little rivets punched into it. I think I had the same oh. one. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. It was absolutely awful. And even as a kid, I think I was like, wow, this is this is terrible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so then I just, you know, I, I'm trying to think. I took uh, piano lessons at 11 or 12 and started playing trumpet in the school band a year or two after that. And then ended up going to college to study music auditioned on trumpet, got into the school, decided once I got to the school that I wanted to just take bass lessons, like upright bass. Um, so I was just kind of changing it up a lot. Then I dropped out and played in a rock band. Nice. <laughs> so, and here we are. Yeah. Well, tell, um, tell me a little bit more about the dropped out to play in a rock band part of it. Yeah, that, it's funny. Actually, that was, um, it was a band called Submerge that mm. Tony Thaxton and myself were in. And Tony's Motion City Soundtracks drummer, mm. um, for most of the most of the, our career, so he and I were in a band together from Richmond, Virginia, and at the time I was in college studying music and you know learning a lot, but wasn't really feeling like you know I'm gonna get a degree in performance or education. It just none of it felt right. I just wanted to play in a band, really. Mm. Um, but the good thing is I was able to learn a lot about theory and and just using my ears and things like that. So yeah, I ended up just taking what I'd learned and just after two years, just kind of going and working and just saving up and then going on tour with, with this band Submerge at the time. The great thing about that was that we crossed paths with Motion City Soundtrack in Milton, Pennsylvania, which is a tiny little mountain town. We played a place called the My House Cafe to... Basically, we played a show for each other. There was no one there. <laughs> nice. Um, and it was very late at night. But yeah, so we made that connection and became friends with those guys and traded shows for a little bit. And then obviously... Uh, I ended up joining the band, as did Tony, um, a couple years, a year or two later. Very cool. And so how does this transition into you starting to produce records? Basically, just after making so many records with Motion City and then, you know, submerged the band before, I just kind of fell in love with the studio and I want to be in it as much as possible. I have, you know, a setup at home and everything where I record pretty much every day. Whenever I have free time, I just, just, you know, record any ideas that come through, whether that be... 30 seconds of something where I just layer a ton of things in and say, okay, that's as far as I'm going to get with that today. You know, we'll put that aside and come back to it. Mm. So I've, I've basically been doing stuff like that for 12 years. But yeah, I, I just love being in the studio. And I really, really like working with other artists and other people that have ideas. Um, and then just kind of taking what they have and throwing what comes to my brain back at them and just bouncing ideas off each other. I think that's really fun. The collaboration is what I really like. Just the thought of, of being in there, in that environment and being creative, but not necessarily having to do the hard part, the tracking, <laughs> you know, the nerve wracking part. Mm -hmm. I, just, just hanging out in that environment and just being really, really creative. And I just like the idea of collaborating with, with people in a, in a different context than I have. So that's definitely something that, yeah, I'm super excited to, to do more of. Nice. Do you have your own studio? I have a, just a bedroom set up right now with the Apollo and everything. Uh, that's the goal, though. Mm. I just moved to Portland a couple months ago. So I'm, you know, making connections out here. Yeah, the goal is definitely to have a space, a studio space, a legit spot where I can go and, and work. But in the meantime, I, I want to travel. I want to fly around and work with people and, you know do that sort of thing too. So I'm super open because I do love traveling and 
and things like that. So very cool. So you got into a little bit of the instruments you play. What do you consider yourself apt to play in the studio these days? A little bit of everything, honestly. You mean just instrument wise? Yes. Yeah, I I really do everything. I I kind of get bored, you know, mm. with with focusing on one thing. But I'm a huge fan of of drums. And I spent, I usually spend a lot of time and it not actually, I'm not actually miking up a kit in my house. Mm. You know, I can't yes. unfortunately do that in, in my living situation, but I am all about using my contact, you know, and, and all of my, um, samples and like the, the Kurt Ballou stuff just came out. Recently oh yeah. It sounds so good. It's so good. I'm having so much fun with it, but yeah, I really, I usually write like a lot of times I write on piano or um, guitar and sometimes I write just starting with a beat it totally depends and it's funny like guitar is usually like the last thing to go on for me Hmm. you know every obviously that's not always the case but it's just fun like to have one idea and see where it goes even if that's you know just a simple drum beat but yeah I'm I'm the type where I'll just keep working on something and just layer and layer and layer and do all these textures and you know an hour later I'm like whoa hang on (laughs) (laughs) let's 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 mute a few of these tracks and see what we got here but I just yeah I'm a huge fan of of tons of different things, synths and, and whatnot. Very cool. So we have a say on this podcast that there's like, on one side, there's like the Steve Albini who just wants to hit record and he'll not going to really comment on your takes or anything like that. And then on the other side, there's John Feldman who's going to like fully rewrite your songs. Where do you see yourself on that spectrum? I mean, that to me depends on the situation, depends on the band. I'm definitely not a, hey, I'm going to get in there and just redo everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I Motion City and, and our other, in our past, We've worked with people who would kind of sit there, not really talk to you. You know, you're behind the board and and he's sitting there and all of a sudden he'll hit record, give himself, you know, eight bars of pre-roll, sprint into the other room and just start tracking ideas Mm. without even talking to the band first. And that to me... That rubbed me the wrong way. You know, I'm totally fine. Like, you know, if you want to talk about it and you want to try something, that's cool. But I really like to leave it up to the band and let the band do what they do. And so I guess I would lean more towards the side of hit record. I don't know. I'm somewhere in the middle, you know, not to some degree of like, hey, I want to redo all this. My whole thing, and this is something that I've learned just from working with producers uh, with Motion City that I really thought was valuable and really encouraging and and to me seemed like the right approach was that these are your songs and I'm (laughs) here to try and help get them to a place where they are the best they can be. But at the end of the day, these are your songs. And if we disagree, you win. You know, we can, we can argue our points, but at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're a group and if you guys all feel that this is the way you want it, that's the way it is. And I absolutely want it to be that way. I don't ever want to be the person that's like, you know, no, no, I really think my idea is better or this is proper or whatever. I think it's really important to let a band do what they do. Very cool. What do you think you bring to records most often? Well, I mean, as far as writing and, and tracking... I'm a big harmony guy and mm. textures. I think I think subtleties in songs really, wh- while it may not be something that's super upfront, I- I'm big on textures and harmonies and and having making a song flow in a certain way and building it in the right areas and bringing it down in the right area and and keeping it fun for the listener. I'm always very conscious of that, like listening from the from the front and just feeling just feeling it out. I think that's probably my biggest thing, and that would carry on as 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 producing bands as well. Yeah, if there's a special moment, if something stands out and it's just too short or if it's a little too long, if it gets a little old, like that stuff strikes me up front like very quickly. Mm. I want to make sure that we're giving a part the proper time and 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 uh, attention that it deserves. Or if there's a part that's not as, you know, that doesn't need to go as long, just 
kind of snipping it, snipping it down, or so I guess just song flow in general. Nice. Something I'm very conscious of. Yeah. What's a common mistake you see bands do before getting to the studio? I would say just not being prepared because we've all done it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, once you get to the studio, and you, all of a sudden, you know, the clock's ticking, and, and the money is is going, you you, you start to get stressed. And you're like, oh no, we really should have worked on this more. Or so I guess with that said, I mean pre-production to me is very important or at least getting get, just kind of knowing what you're going to do know your parts really well because I've had moments where you know there'd be one or two songs on a record where I just didn't work on the bass part to the point where I felt really good about it and basically had a nervous breakdown trying to track it <laughs> you know because I'm like oh no like what have I done yeah you know, just being prepared and getting in there and, and just knowing what you want definitely speaking up and you know letting it be known what you want is very important. I think you have a good good point there, Hint, too, is that, like, even when you think you're, like, super prepared, you get there and you're like, oh, fuck, you know, we really should have worked on this one thing more. Like, you know, I, like, whether you're finishing anything, there's always that thing right at the end that you're like, ah, you know, maybe we should have rethought that chorus harmony a little bit more, you know? Exactly. So, exactly. Yep. So, like, getting as prepared as you can, knowing that that's going to happen even a little is, uh, I think, pretty crucial. How about a smart thing you see bands do during the recording process? Some people feel pressure when record is, the, you know, the record button is being hit. So I think I think to me is, is uh, you know, something that's very important is being aware of your your fellow bandmates and respecting them and giving them if, if they if. You know, sometimes people get flustered, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very easy to do because you feel like everyone's listening, everyone's watching, you know, maybe you're nervous out there and maybe you need some sort of encouragement or maybe you need everyone to give you a moment to to do what you need to do out there. And I think just being aware and not sitting in the control room talking and laughing and, you know, getting on uh, YouTube and watching ridiculous things like Mm -hmm. just be aware of what's going on, like be involved but if you need to, you know, leave the room for a minute to let someone do what they do, I think that's really important. I know I've had moments in the past where, you know, I'm really just trying to track this part and it's just not happening. It's mm-hmm. not feeling right. And it's very easy to get like upset, you know, and and start to just like feel insecure. And I think it's just important for the producer in the band and everybody just to say, hey, you're doing great if you need us to leave or whatever. Um, I think respecting each other's space and in the studio is very, very, very important. Yeah. That's something that I, I feel. I think that's a really, a really good point, actually. So what happens when you and a band disagree about something? That kind of goes back to what I was saying a minute ago. At the end of the day, it's it's not my song. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm there to throw ideas at a band and that band can absolutely just slap them right back at me and, and say, no, we're not into it. And I fully respect that. Uh, like at the end of the day, I want the band to do what they do. And um, if they disagree, so be it. You know, that's that's part of the process to me. Nice. Do amp simulators dash reamping have a role in your productions? Absolutely. Um, especially because of my living situation. And I mean, we've we've used them in the studio before. I have no problem with them. I would always prefer to be in a good room with really loud amplifiers, especially on a rock record. That would always be preferred, but I have zero problem with with amp simulators, you know, especially if, if you're in a place where you want to work at 2 a.m., you're feeling inspired and you want to you want to get a, you know, a good sound. And obviously you can take the, you know, the dry track and reamp it later too as a fail safe. So, I I'm all about it because just the way that I'm set up currently it's, it's very useful to me. Gotcha. You talked a little bit about programming drums already, so I imagine you're into the sample-midi program drums thing? I'm very into, yeah, sample drums. I, I love it. I'm obsessed with them. 
<laughs> I just, it's, you know, I can spend $99 and get these immaculately recorded drums from Kurt Ballou. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that, that is amazing to me. Like, I, I love that so much. And over the years, I basically just play the beats on a piano keyboard on the, on the piano roll. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really forced me to kind of stop and listen to a drummer and think, okay, what can he physically do right here? You know, it's kind of like, if there's a fill here, he can't still be doing that on the hi-hat with his right mm-hmm. hand. So it's, it's really kind of forced me to think about how a, a drummer plays drums. And it, I think it's helped me a lot. It's actually been really interesting. But uh, yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan of it. I think it's really fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Really fun. You know, I was having a, a discussion. Like, it's funny you were saying this. Like, uh, my friend and I were talking about this yet last night. That, like, at some point, somebody's going to figure out how octopus drumming actually is going to sound cool at some point and make all these, like, things that no one can actually play. And it's going to be like, I think of, like, we're finally going to see, like, oh, this is how the rock band transforms. There's going to be two drummers who need to play this guy's cool parts that he came up with. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Um, Octopus drumming. That's great. Do you have any favorite soft synths? I really just use, I've been using Alchemy a lot in Mm -hmm. Logic. I really like that you can kind of sweep through the little different patches at the bottom. It's like a grid of eight. Mm -hmm. And you can literally just kind of sweep through as you're playing and just morph it. It's just so easy. I use that one mostly. Yeah, Alchemy is kind of my go-to. And then the ES1 as well, can get some really weird little warbly fun sounds too. But those, it's mainly just logic soft sense that I use. Nice. Well, those are, are great. So how long do you like to take to work on a song on average? Obviously, every case is different, but what's an average amount of time that you think it takes to produce a song well? Again, I think that depends on the band and it depends on the song. Obviously, um, I don't like to spend a lot of time on a song. I feel like if you're if if a producer feels the need to go in and like really really work on a song, then maybe it's not ready yet. Obviously, that's going to be a case by case basis. And I tend to go with my gut and I've been known to like when I'm writing my own songs at home, you know, I find the longer I work on something, I get away from the initial what was special about that idea. Mm -hmm. And I I try to keep that in mind too, with working with other artists is that um, there's something there at the core. Let's not get away from it too far. Let's, let's compliment it. Let's do things that, that keep what they have there and keep it special. So with that said, for me, you know, I don't, you know, it's a case by case basis, but I don't see myself spending too much time typically on, on songs. I've also been very lucky to work with people that bring great stuff. You know, with one case, there was a du- there was a chorus at the end of the song that I just did not feel was long enough, so we extended it to a double chorus and built it up really, really big, and just drove it home because it needed to be it needed to be cycled again. Like that listener really needed that. But just things like that, you know, it's this part's really special. It should happen again, or it should go away. Like, but again, it's case by case. Mm-hmm. You know. I would spend a lot of time if it if I felt that it needed it, but I haven't really had that yet because, you know, the songs brought to me have been really great. Hi, I'm going to just take one second to tell you about something that if you're listening to this podcast, you will probably be interested in. Noise Creators put out a book called The 30-Minute Guide to Getting More Fans. It's by me, Jesse Cannon. I wrote a book called Get More Fans, The DIY Guide to the New Music Business. That's been one of the best-selling books on how to build a fan base for your band. That book is really long and detailed. What we decided to do, though, is make a smaller version of that book that you can read in under 30 minutes that tells you all about how you can build a fan base for your band. 
I'm sure you've noticed there's been far too many people popping up in your Facebook news feed slinging information on how to build a fan base for a subscription or $100 or something. But Noise Creators was founded because we saw the potential to make the music world a better place. When I started writing about the music business over eight years ago, I always wanted to just teach all the bands that I thought had potential how to do this because I saw too many bands not build themselves up that I thought were the world should hear. So this book has all that knowledge that I learned building fan bases for bands, producing and working in the music business for years. I managed a bunch of successful bands in the past, and this is how I got them to be more than a band that just their hometown knew about. So if you head over to noisecreators.com under the more tab that says ebook, you can get it there for free. All you have to do is enter your email address or your Twitter address. Thanks for taking the time to check this out. So you've worked with a lot of great producers in your time. Is there a lesson you can tell us from another producer that you've learned that was really valuable? Yeah, I mean, I learned a lot. We we, we worked with uh, Mark Hoppus from mm-hmm. Blink-182 a couple times. And, you know, he was, when he worked with us on Commit This to Memory, that was, I want to say, late summer, early fall of 2004. Mm-hmm. And we had just gone on tour with them. We were in, we did Japan, I think, and Europe. And we just were talking to him backstage one day. And we were really liking the way that their self-title record sounded that had come out at that in that era. We just started talking about music and talking about bands that we liked in the 90s. And we really just realized that we had a lot in common as far as what we enjoyed. And so we were talking at the time, you know, as a, you know, within our own band, like we need to pick a producer Mm. and we were throwing out ideas. And then all of a sudden we were like, I wonder if Mark would be into it. Like we really kind of see eye to eye on a lot of things and we like a lot of the same music. We just talked to him one night and said, Hey, have you ever produced? He said, no. And we (laughs) said, well, would you ever want to try that? Would you ever be into it? He's like, absolutely. I've, I've been thinking about it. So we were his first, like we were all kind of experimenting together. I didn't know. I, so commit to this to memory was his first time producing. That's why I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. It was, which isn't that crazy. Yeah. Um, it's weird to think about, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we just learned basically like he was a bass player in a band and a songwriter that hopped into a producing role, taking what he'd learned from people. I think he learned a lot from Jerry Finn yes. um, as well. But uh, Mark just just had, a, you know, he was very much about that mentality of, hey, these are your songs. Don't, you know, I'll, I'll have ideas and I'll I'll ridicule you, but I'm joking. You know, if you don't agree with me, he just kept it fun. Mm. And I learned a lot from him about trust and security and not feeling like you're on the spot. Like we're all in this together. You're going to screw up. It's going to be fine. We'll do it again. We'll take our time. We'll get it right. He just kept a very light kind of vibe in in there. Like, and it was very funny, but very serious and hardworking. And, but yeah, at the end of the day, you felt like you'd be able to get the song that you wanted recorded and he would be there to, um, their ideas that maybe you wouldn't like and he'd be okay with that. So that was really important to me. That's really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's valuable stuff for sure. Tell me one of the best moments you've had in the studio. Well, thinking back to that era. Yeah, that would be Oh four making commits us to memory. I just, there was an excitement at that time for our band. That was kind of, we were, we were in a good place and we had Mark with us, which was really, really fun. And I'm a big fan of when you start to get all your basic tracks down and you get some vocals in there and the songs really start to come to life. And then you can go back and say, maybe we can do this. Let's let's get really weird. Let's do something weird back here. And maybe we'll tuck it in the back and pan it off to the right. I don't know what we're going to do, but we um, ended up going to a different studio and there was a grand piano there. And at one point I was told to just kind of sit at the piano and 
hit the sustain pedal. So just leave it wide open. And Justin laid on his back, Justin, our singer, they, they asked him, they said, hey, you know, Justin, will you lay down under the piano and sing upward through the strings and we'll mic the top. So at the end of a song called Hold Me Down, it's mm-hmm. it's one of the textures in there as the song is kind of building out. But he just sings over and over, how will I break the news to you in that in the melody over and over. But it made this insane echo. Hmm. Like I wish I wish I had like the um that isolated track for you right now. It's really maybe I can track that down, but it's really, really haunting and beautiful and just I, I just love things like that in the studio when someone gets a weird idea and you're all, you know, excited to be creative and you make it happen. Um so I I always try to do that too if there's time. <laughs> Very yeah. nice. That's a really cool story. Yeah. It was fun. How about a bad moment and what you've learned from it? I should probably expand on what I mentioned earlier with my uh, quote-unquote nervous breakdown when I wasn't prepared. Oh, yes. Um, Basically, from this experience, I learned to be prepared. But yeah, so we were recording My Dinosaur Life again Mm. with Mark Hoppus. Um, This would have been 2009. Song called Hysteria. That was the one song I just kind of, I don't know if I forgot or just kept putting it off. And then all of a sudden, next thing I know, it's time to track bass to the song. And I'm like, oh, no. Okay, let's see what happens. So it was like first thing we rolled in in the morning. For some reason, we were recording at like 9 a.m., like we we were working out with a trainer at seven a.m. It was insane. Wow! So it was that, like still. This, this is very oh, not dude. rock and roll. What the hell's going on here? Well, this was a major label mm-hmm. who wanted us to be in shape, so wow. they made us go to a trainer. I'm not even joking, man. The major label money, and uh, yeah, they wanted us to be skinny for our promo shot. So we had to get up at seven in the morning, work out with the trainer, and then go make a record every day. Repeat. Wow! Isn't that crazy? I know it's so crazy. So anyway, it was first thing in the morning, and I don't even know if I'd had coffee yet. My brain wasn't there. And everyone is in the control room. Everyone is shouting. I'm trying to like, I'm just having, you know, Chris, our engineer, like, I'm like, just loop this part. And I'm going to come up with something that I like better. Couldn't concentrate. There's a guy filming for some little MTV thing that they were coming through, like a little four episode series that they were doing. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm like, you know, I'm on camera, not knowing what I'm doing. Everyone's yelling. I can't hear. Like I, I wasn't prepared. And all of a sudden I just broke out into like drenched in sweat. Wow. And I'm yeah, it was, it was insane. That's never happened to me since. Never happened before. Huh. And and Mark's sitting there just, you know, talking, and he looks up at me. He's like, whoa, are you okay? And I was <laughs> just like, I don't know. I don't, I'm going to take five. I'm going to go breathe some air into my lungs and chill out. Um, so I walked away, took a deep breath, came back, got something down in a few minutes, you know, but like, be prepared. Yeah. Be prepared. And if you need people to like leave and kind of filter out, don't be afraid to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's a great point. You I, know, I'm gonna take it one yeah, step further I mean, and also say, don't do two hours of fitness training before the studio in the morning. <laughs> I, I would also say that. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> there, there, those are two separate separate times. Do the gym on other <laughs> uh, other days, not on the days before you yeah, have to create. <laughs> exactly. Thanks a lot, Major Label. <laughs> so let's get into some of your personal taste. What's a perfect record someone else has made, and what about it makes it perfect? A definition of a perfect record to me, not an example, but a definition is something that keeps you interested and takes you on a journey and flows dips and, and rises in the right places. And and my, my gut right now is telling me to say, okay, computer. Okay. And I know, I know that's not, I, I don't know. For me at that time in my life, when that was out, it was probably a couple years after it was out, actually, when it really grabbed me. That was a record that I would put on in my car and it would just go. And I would listen to the whole thing and I wouldn't skip anything. Even the spoken word, weird Gucci little piggy, you know, the whole, mm-hmm. the whole thing. It, it didn't, I didn't skip a thing because there was something about it that felt like a journey. And it still does to me to this day. 
so I, I feel like I just, it's something that keeps you engaged and whatever mm. that is to, to a listener. So I, I, my gut just says, I have to go with, with Radiohead. Okay. Computer, even though it it's at times hard to listen to, but that's part of the whole experience. Oh, so it's one that gets cited on here a lot. I agree. I mean, that, that for me, that is a perfect record as well to me too. So yeah. How about give me five of the your favorite records that have shaped your musical growth. Doesn't have to be the five, your top five, just ones that have had a big impact on you. Well, I'm going to, I have to say, okay, computer, because mm-hmm. that was a huge, huge, huge one. Clarity by Jimmy Eat World. The, the, the most, that, the most that, commonly cited record on this podcast. I, I believe it. Yep. it. I mean, just sonically, just the way they did it. I, I listened to it actually earlier today. A Sunday came on and just that when everything comes in, the drum sound, like the guitar, it's just beautiful. It's amazing. It just, the, it really is. It's a wonderful production and the songs are incredible. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, you know, the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard for me to choose any Beatles record, but that one, that one's just above and beyond in so many ways for me. Um, Currents by Tame Impala. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's my, my, my I, favorite I am, record of recent times. Yeah. Me, well, me too. Absolutely. And just I, I can't get enough of Kevin Parker and like everything he does is gold to me. Agreed. Like I really, he's very inspiring to me. I want to say Fugazi. Nice. Like In on the Kill Taker, a very noisy record, but mm-hmm. the energy is just right there. Just so in your face. Agreed. The, the, the best. How about three of your favorite producers? Going to have to go back to Kevin Parker right now. Mm-hmm. Like he's really, really, I just love that he, he's kind of a self-proclaimed, like, I don't know what I'm doing kind of guy. And he just, he just does what he thinks sounds good. And it's not in any of the rule books. Mm-hmm. And he's, all of his records, he's made that way. And um, that's very inspiring to me. And I truly like Currents. I think he's really, really on to something. Oh now. yeah, he's you know his his sound has changed a lot over the over the well since Lonerism to that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just so so inspired by what he's doing. So I, I definitely have to consider him one of my three favorites. I mean, another guy similar to him, Ruben Nielsen from Unknown Mortal Orchestra. Oh yeah, as well yeah. is doing a a very similar thing, doing his own stuff in his own house. You know really making cool things happen. Dave Fridman has really, I mean, the last couple of years, I've really taken a liking to him, mm-hmm. his work with the Flaming Lips, and and obviously as a mixer too. Mm-hmm. But I just, I love the way Dave kind of takes very analog and organic things and mixes them with just effects and electronic elements and just really like gets his hands dirty. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's, it, it makes for a really, really fun listen. Uh, I, he, 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 when I was asked this question for my episode, I said the same thing about him. He, he is, uh, Did you? finds the greatest characters I know of, of any mixer. Right. So what's your favorite record that's come out in recent times and what inspires you about it? Uh, I mean, here, here we go back to Kevin Parker. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Currents is just like Lonerism too, but mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Currents just because that one really, really, really grabbed me. And the fact that he's pretty much doing it all himself. Yeah. Like the, the, the workload that Kevin takes on is just unbelievable to me. And it's like he goes on tour for a year or more and then goes home and just locks himself away and makes this incredible you know record that people can identify with and then goes back on tour and he just keeps doing it. I don't know if he sleeps or not, but <laughs> I'm just super inspired by the fact that he just kind of makes that all happen. And I, I'm not sure if he knows what he's doing. He's, mm. He says he doesn't know, but obviously if it sounds good to people, you're doing it right, you know? And I just find that really, really inspiring. You, you can't make a record like Currents if you haven't figured out a lot of uh, things about it. Like there's n- no doubt about it that that like record has compositional and like mixing things going on that are so heads above other people 
that he's figured right. out something. He knows what he's doing, right. whether it was formal training right, is right. the question. Right, right, exactly. Very cool. So uh, lastly, what are you working on? What have you been working on? Plug away. <laughs> uh, well, like I said, I just moved to Portland and I'm still kind of getting myself settled. I, I moved here, I guess it was in December and got everything over here from, I moved from Virginia. So okay. It was, a little, it, was, it was a little hike, but got everything in here and set up a studio in the basement and then actually just had to move that upstairs last week. So I kind of had to shut down again. And here I am in a, a room upstairs. So I'm really just kind of getting settled again, but I'm just working on ideas and mm. ideas. And I've been doing a little bit of commercial work. Very cool. Yeah, just, you know, 30 second spot type things just to kind of stay stay creative and actually have deadlines and things. It's, re it's really good for me. So I'm doing, you know, stuff like that. And I really do want to get to producing bands and working with people and um, just trying to meet people here in Portland, other musicians and engineers and, and other producers and just kind of just get the networking going, you know, meeting good people. And it's a very inspiring city. It's very yeah. art friendly and, and music friendly and there's some good stuff going on. So I'm really just kind of getting to know this new world, you know? Very awesome. Well, th that's all I got. Thank you so much for doing this. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember the golden rule of the internet, that if you enjoy something you got for free, please tweet, Facebook, share, or tell your friends about it in whatever way you like to do that. Please check out Noise Creator's website and take a look around. We have tons of interviews, discographies, Spotify playlists from all the best producers out there on our service. If you're unsure about who your band should work with, we can help you get the best producer fit for your record. To keep up with us, follow at Noise Creators on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud, Tumblr, or Facebook. This podcast can be also be found wherever podcasts are found, including iTunes and Stitcher. I'm your host, Jesse Cannon. I can be found on Twitter at Jesse Cannon or at jessecannon.com. Again, please help spread the word about this podcast and what Noise Creators does so we can keep this going.